Hello and welcome to the week 8 edition of Spitball, your weekly quickfire roundup of the week's NFL action. This week I'm joined as my new regular co-host Marcus Ion Fantasy Football Henson. How are you buddy? Very good, very good, thank you. So this week has been a very special week in the UK. We have had the annual NFL International Series matchup. This is our sixth year now, our sixth match we've had for the International Series where we get a regular season NFL game over. We always like to make a weekend of it over here, so it starts on Saturday with an NFL fan rally, which I had the pleasure of going to myself. And we had young Marcus at the game on Sunday as it was involved his St. Louis Rams. The fan rally on Saturday, a great affair held in Trafalgar Square. Um, we had 34,000 people attend this year. Brilliant setup, lots of little games to keep you occupied around the outside. They've got a main stage where they have interviews where if you haven't seen it yet, I think you should strongly recommend you check out Gronkowski spiking a microphone. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, it was amazing when when I turned up we heard a massive bang and it later transpired that it was as I say Gronkowski spiking the microphone after being taunted by the crowd to do so and next the presenter Neil Reynolds asked if they said to spike the presenter would he do that and no doubt he probably would. Yes, we've learned one valuable thing about uh, Gronkowski, which is obviously he is a self-aware robot, hence why he is so amazing, because literally he's just programming him and he will do anything he's bidded to. Absolutely. Also in attendance, we had some NFL legends in Isaac Bruce and Torrey Holt, and we also had Marshall Falk there, along with, there was three Bills players there, you'll be pleased to know, <laughs> more excuse for me to talk about the Bills. They had more exactly, more. exactly. So in attendance, we had Stevie Johnson, Marcel Darius, and Kelvin Shepard, courtesy of New Era Caps. I had the pleasure of meeting the the Bills players. Managed to get Marcel Darius and Stevie Johnson to sign my match ticket from when I went out to Boston last year. And also an added bonus when I went back to the autograph tent later on, they were there. And I managed to get a £50 note signed by Marcel Darius, which will be framed with a little nice case saying, break in case of emergency. So, all in all, great experience at the fan rally. Any UK fans, I strongly recommend you attend at least the fan rally next year. We should have two of them, so you'll be able to pick one. How about the game, sir? How was the experience? It was a great experience, absolutely. I'm loving... I've, this is my fifth um, International Series game, and I, I love them. I think they're absolutely amazing. I think they're a great bridge for the sport to bring it over here. I'm getting slightly more disappointed each year by the so-called tailgate party. Mm-hmm. It's becoming less tailgate, more corporising the fact that this year we had one huge Budweiser beer tent, one uh, NFL shop, one New Era cap, of course, shop, and then one little tiny stage where the stage has reduced in size since the original stage mm-hmm. to being just a teeny little tiny thing with about enough seating for about, I'd say, about 100 to 150 people just to watch and then people cascaded around same sort of affair what you call it bring on the drummers bring on the girls a couple of fan participation things bing bang bosh bring on a, a rapper in this case case wretch free two didn't really stay and watch that literally i was a little bit disappointed by it to be honest got inside though and lots of freebies on the day we love yep. that flags galore I took home eight of them myself personally. Nicely done. I met Rampage, the Rams mascot. Got a, uh, a free wristband out of that as well. So what you I had an absolutely wicked day. Minus the scoreline, of course, which I'm not going to delve too long on. But I, the whole thing, I think, is just amazing. I'm loving the fact that a second one is coming for the year. I think, again, that just 
it's a, a step in the right direction and it's just very positive for the sport over here I think that a lot of people are starting to come up with the idea the press is starting to get onto it year in year out more and more publicity gets put alongside of it yeah the week leading up to it I know this year was extra publicity because of course you have the links with Arsenal and stuff like that with Kroenke which helps to sort of illuminate the game a little bit you know them doing their training at Arsenal's Arsenal's training ground um, and then you had the Sun newspaper I know the mirror um, I think a couple of the you know um, what called tabloids put a big splash on it the day after yeah, you know, big event, you know, in London, and they they you know they made a big song and dance of it. It used to just get like a little column down the side. So great yeah. to see that we're getting more and more paper coverage of the sport. Absolutely, and not just on American-specific blogs such as <laughs> ours right here, or uh, in like the exclusive sort of the the niche English market. Yeah, so onto the game itself. It started. Quite well for you, I would say. Yeah, quite well with the opening drive. Yes, the fifty-yard throw to to Gibbons. It yeah. was it was amazing to watch, and you were sitting there, and you know Sam Bradford's got it there, and you you, you love to see it happen. And then of course New England came down with an equally impressive drive of their own, scored, and I honestly after that I I, I assumed we were in for a blowout. I really? Thought, I thought it was going to be points galore, thirty points on either side. I thought that's the way it looked like it was gonna go. It looked like um New England couldn't stop the deep threat. Um St. Louis couldn't stop any threat. Oh my word. That leaky we were running some kind of leaky cover one all all game. I mean maybe that's just the um the defensive coordinator in me, but I was just I was livid with the constant arbitration to continually run a cover one with just we just dow dow our safety back in um, that single man spot sort of Overwatch protection. Yeah. And literally they would just find the hole every time. There's man covering. You can't man cover Gronk. No, you know, absolutely got, not. It's damage limitation with him, surely. Um, and literally he's just beasted it for one of his best days yet this season. And I think we have to say, um, with the way they rattled up the the 45 points, it New England seems to have that offense where. It is a case of if you try and focus on stopping one, you're not going to stop the offense because they will always find someone else to go to in the running game. If it's not Ridley, yeah, it's going to be Farine. Woodhead or Bolden. Yeah, passing wise, Welker, Lloyd, well, that's the Gronkowski. Thing. Yeah. I mean, you have to look at it. I mean, you you look at the production and it's all Gronk really. I know Welker had a few good catches and stuff like that, but you look at the the touchdowns. Two catches thrown towards Lloyd, two touchdowns. That was his only production. Yeah, 26 he, yards, I think, in total, wasn't it, on the day, something like that? That's all he needs to do. He got yeah. his two touchdowns, he got open when he was needed to. Brady knew where he was. was. I must admit, actually, no, he did have one deep bomb, which they didn't quite connect on. Mm. But um, apart from that, I think that was it. The three, thrown to three times, caught it twice, twice in the end zone. Absolutely. So that gives you like a little brief introduction to the NFL series we have over here and, and how we like to do it UK style. And Moving on to the rest of the results from last week, I would like to point out that I was two-thirds right with the Cleveland game in that Trent Richardson had over 100 yards and yeah. scored a touchdown. Didn't quite score two like I gave in my swing of the week, but the fact that they ended up winning 7-6 against the Chargers, I'll take that as a bold prediction of the week. What are your thoughts? Wow, Cleveland, I mean, it was it was great, great game. I mean, are you looking at people like Whedon sort of starting to come out of his shell and that youngster that he's continually thrown to, Gordon. Yes, Josh Gordon. Um, and what do you call it? They, 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 there's, this, there's a chemistry there, which is lovely to see, and you often see that with rookies tend to bond together 
I mean, we had that last year with Dalton, another AFC North team, um, Dalton and Green, Green yeah. in the uh, with the Bengals, and they seem to do it. The rookies seem to find each other. They seem to band together. They seem to click together. Seems to be some sort of rookie thing. But uh, uh, the Cleveland defense, they also had another great showing earlier this year. I do believe against Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Now I know Michael Fick yeah. has been throwing away um, interceptions and fumbles like their Halloween candy, but um, it, it definitely senses to me that there's some improvements on the defensive side as well, which which, which was the I biggest think, did problem. They pick off Fick four times in that game. Oh, something stupid. It was something stupid. I mean, like I said, Fick isn't um, running on A grade at the moment. But you still have to hand it to Cleveland to actually just come in there and actually, you know, they put up a respectable thing. You've got Philip Rivers. He had Antonio Gates got kept to a very quiet game. Um, who else has got? He's got people like Floyd, yeah. who's, who's so quick and, you know, um, and nimble to to get out of the backfield. Um, I'm afraid his name keeps eluding me, that new running back they've got. Oh, yes, uh, not Ryan Matthews. They're battle. Running, battle. Oh, battle, Jackie Battle, yes. That's it, they kept the running game nice and solid, so that way it wasn't going to just elude, you know, when they have to suddenly chase. And all in all, yes, okay, it was 7-6 for the partakes of the fan. It's, you know, not as, as enthralling as, I say, 45-7 at Wembley. Yeah. But at the same time, you have to sit there, and fundamentally, it was a good game of football. Yeah, there's quite a few close games this week, and... One that also springs to mind is Chicago, Carolina. Oh. And the the turns that that took in the last sort of four or five minutes of the game. Wow. I mean, that was. I mean, I honestly thought Cam was going to. Was. Uh, was his, his unitage. His, oh, the old s- Superman. Superman. And I honestly. I, I sat there and went, oh, Super Cam is back. Brilliant. And literally, wow, you know, Cutler. You know, it show, he showed his seniority there. He showed how to uh, take the presence of a game in that clutch situation and, and how to do it how to come back and, and and grab that victory from the claws of defeat yeah they they had less than a minute I think didn't they something silly it was literally unfortunately of course as I was in transport back from from Wembley I did I managed to miss the, the closing of all the sort of early games I managed to just come back and, and actually see what had happened but when on leaving I think it was it was quite in control Carolina's game with about four minutes left to go and then they got the final score and it's like you you, you call that check, checkmate absolutely in most times you know the defence had played well all day I mean they had I mean Cutler had good yardage Forte was was definitely taking it out in, in big chunks just ripping it about but it was it was very much a, a sword battle with each team getting a good set of, set of thrusts forward and then each team parrying and that sort of to and fro you get in the NFL is it's unlike, say, certain sports where you, you can get quite cudgeled into one team up and then just ruling it. You you have those, the essence for the amazing comebacks. Yeah, and thinking of amazing comebacks, I can't help think of um, another young receiver who had a, cr- a clutch catch again this week for Detroit Lions in Titus Young um, in their win over Seattle, a one-yard catch pretty much as the game was expiring wow has he come along and I mean Stafford as well has really shifted that game ever since um, the, those sort of game four or five shakes early on was it against KC wasn't it when they, they really showed some shakes on yeah um, I think so. but literally Titus Young wow the kid is really impressing me 
Yeah, because it was the Tennessee game where he caught the he did. deflected he caught, pass. Caught the long bomb deflection, absolutely. Yeah. And this week, as we say, catching that one-yard pass they, in a clutch situation. Yeah, they often say that the biggest testament for a rookie is how they handle in those last couple of minutes when the game is on the line and they have to really sort of step up and show what they're made of. Rookies tend to... The, the uh, automation is that they will make silly mistakes or panic. Yes. And Guy kept his head, kept nice and cool, and you know he was on it. And it's lovely to see a lot of interesting prospects coming up for the next development of the NFL. Absolutely, and, and with Titus Young making these clutch catches, you have to ask yourself, where's Calvin Johnson? I think Calvin Johnson's still got his place as, as Numero Ono there. I mean, I don't think you're really going to budge that for a while. Like I said, watch it. Maybe his production is down. Maybe you want to believe in the Manning curse. Maybe you don't want to believe. But I think his presence helps people like Titus Young because then it actually allows them to beat off the softer coverages while he'll take the the bare brunt. It's like the the uh, Reavers Island effect where you often have that the best receivers will be put on the best corners. Ergo, it's the guys slightly further down the draft, um, not draft depth chart, shall I say, draft. Silly me, the uh, the depth chart who are going to then create the most plausible matchups because yeah. you're sitting there going, can my number two receiver outmatch your number two corner? Yeah, and thinking of Revis Island, just moving swiftly on from the Detroit game, Revis Island got hit by a Florida storm, didn't it this week? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, wow, that hurricane came a little bit early in New Jersey, didn't it? Just a tad, yeah. I mean, it's there's there's a great deal of presence missing from that defense. Yeah, uh, I don't even just think it's. I don't think it's just Darrell Revis. I think that that whole defensive core is is quite truly shaken. The belief in the quarterback, I think, is gone. I, I don't believe if if you if you have a chance to see the the actual footage of the post game interview with Mark Sanchez, where he looks on, uh, up to the sky, sort of completely un- unequivocal with no answers, and just sighed out and said, "Oh boy." Really, literally explained all of it. Where he literally he looked completely defeated, no answers. The guy absolutely has hit rock bottom with his confidence, and I think the team has as well. Yeah, especially Tim Tebow as well. Not necessarily having great games. I know they're using him sparingly, but this week I do believe he blew coverage on a. I know he's not necessarily a specialist special teamer, but blew coverage that led to a pump block. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you're going to use him in this moderation, I think you've really got to. To make sure that you understand that if you're going to make him a jack of all trades, then he's not going to be a master of anything. Absolutely, he is a quarter. He's basically for us, I think, needs to be either a quarterback, pure and simple, and they need to work on his throwing, or ultimately, I would make him a fullback or a tight end. Yeah, I think honestly, yeah. I mean, if you want to make him a utility back like that, um, that's fair enough. But you've got to say that that's his purpose. And that's literally where he's going to be used. What you call it? Enough of this wildcat. I hate the wildcat. I don't like the wildcat formation at all. It's not for me at all. I don't like the fact that the wildcat formation on Madden only allows you to do runs. Yes, that one as well. <laughs> but uh, I, 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 don't, I don't like the wildcat. I don't think it, it, it has a place. I think it had a gimmicky time. Where was it? Miami were the first people to run it? Yes. Was it two years ago and they had a load of success for a couple of games? It was Miami ran it, didn't they run it when they first brought back Ricky Williams? Yes, that's when right. They first ran it? Yeah, and it was a gimmick and it worked great. And you know what? People sat there and went, what is this weird college stuff you're bringing into the NFL that has no place here? 
and then literally they shut it down. And you know what? The Wildcat has no place in the NFL. Yes, okay, it might work in the colleges where the defences are a little bit weaker and sometimes the offensive line can actually dominate over those grounds. And you do see some, um, I mean, Oklahoma has that, that um, Blake, who's that primarily, yes, he can throw, but he is what they call a wild Wildcat quarterback. Um, there's a couple of others, these running, run-first quarterbacks um, who, who, who tend to primarily work as as these sort of I don't know not I don't want to keep using the term gimmick but you know it's 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 not the real deal there's there's no real longevity to this whole I'm going to run, run the ball run the ball off a quarterback pass yeah sort of shotgun snap it, no it's for me if you're going to have a running quarterback great we've seen it Cam Newton RG3 it works it's great it's great to watch but you know, don't be half-hearted with this wildcat quarterback system. Either you're running quarterback or you're pocket passer, one or the other for me. And I think before we move on to the awards this week, I just want to stay on sort of the blowout theme and talk about Atlanta's, Atlanta Falcons rolling on to eight and zero. Yes, yes, absolutely. Wow, I mean that's that's quite that's that's something we didn't quite think of pre-season. I think no, and I've heard an interesting stat this week. And it says the last team to get defeated in the NFL, 43% of the time reaches the Super Bowl. Really? Yeah. So what do you call it? Might take my little claims of a, a Houston, um, Houston, San Francisco um, Super, Bowl. Super Bowl out there. No, I mean, what do you call it? It's been it's been great, but I mean, there has been. Remember, we nearly had a complete upset to the party where Oakland nearly spoiled everyone's fun. Yeah. I think there's been a couple of other points this season. I mean. Against Philadelphia, with Fick playing as he is, I think you've got uh, a defence there where, I mean, you've got supposed to be this amazing secondary with Rogers, Kamai, Asamoah. Asamoah did he even turn up? Uh, no, not uh, at all. I loved, I loved Dave Damashek's sort of analysis of it was that a fan ran onto the pitch and stole his uniform. Wow, really? Yep, absolutely. That's that's the way Dave Damashek uh, put it in this week, is that someone ran onto the pitch, stole Asamoah's uniform, and then interpreted to um, portray him as a cornerback, just for those people, because of course this is a blog. I am actually hyphenating that, though you can't see it. <laughs> I am actually doing the action. He is, it's true. And in a sense that he just did not catch the bus to the game. Wow. And for those who want to know where that is, that's on the Shame Report, I believe, it is, is it? It is the Shame Report. So go to nfl.com, search for the Shame Report if it's not already highlighted, and there you will find it. I recommend it every week. It's a great watch. Um, he's very opinionated, this young Mr. Damashek, and even though he's a Pittsburgh fan, I won't hold that against him. It's always a great watch, and um, also his podcast as well, which you can find off nfl.com, is a great listen alongside ours, of course. Of course. So Listen to ours first, though. Yeah, make sure you do, otherwise there will be trouble. Um, so moving swiftly on, let's go to our what is now with Trim Back, you'll be pleased to know, to just the original two awards. Yes, less awards now. So we're just going with our players. Absolutely, our, our, our impact players. Players. So uh, over uh, to you, Marcus. Yeah, absolutely. Now, watch what you, we were just talking about defensive players or the lack of defensive players. So I'm going to start with our Ray Lewis Award this week. And this is for our defensive impact player of the week. Player. Can't get enough of that sound. No. Nope. <laughs> uh, I'm going to start with my, my second place, my runner-up for the award this week. And uh, runner-up goes to Mr. Philip Wheeler of the Oakland Raiders. Really? Yes. A Raider I, in there. Yes, I know. Got to love the Raiders. I mean, but this guy, honestly, I'd never seen him. 
And I don't know if it's because the, the limited um, games this week, but I was watching Red Zone, and every single tackle, every single turn of the ball, literally he was getting in there, smack, this guy, huge dreadlocks, couldn't miss him. And Philip Wheeler, Oakland, he just outside, outside linebacker, he was all over the field. I mean, he had the stats put him on 11 tackles and a sack. Wow. But literally, the impact he put on the, the game, I honestly thought he was everywhere. I thought he made every tackle. I mean... Yeah, if you counted every sort of quarter or fifth of a tackle, he'd probably start notching them up. Because even if he didn't get the main tackle, he was there to give it a good shove over to make sure that that tackle did go down. It was everywhere, and it was awesome. Well, if you're playing that well, it has to be someone special that would beat that for Impact Player of the Week this week. Ah, well, I must admit, going back, guys, if you've read the block or if you haven't not, then you'll find this as no surprise that it has to go to Mr. Mr. Pierre Paul of the... uh, the New York Giants. Manning. Yes. I mean, the guy is just... Wow. I mean, did he just change that game? Absolutely. I mean, that's what they need. I mean, he when they needed someone to just step up to the plate, do something for that defense, because, you know, they were looking really good. They looked like in control. And then literally, I don't know, they all went on vacation yep. through that second quarter. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Like, didn't really come back. And then suddenly, bang. You know, Mr. Pierre Paul came in and sat and went, yo, guys, we are playing a football game. Can we please, you know? Yep, on the day, four combined tackles, a sack, and most importantly, that interception oh, that yeah. he returned for a touchdown, about yeah. 25 yards, yep. I believe, something like Defensive that. Defensive end going for the interception for a touchdown. That's it. That's, that's and have it. you seen it as well? Yes, I have. A great pick off the line, just knew where the pass was going, was only about three yards away from Romo. Just where you would normally expect a defensive end or a tackle to tip Absolutely. it. Just managed to pick it straight out of the air and then just bumble his way into the end zone. Absolutely. And you got to remember, this is a guy who, of course, didn't actually come to start playing football until he was in college. No, that's true, yeah. You know, true. this guy didn't have the four or five years going through junior high, high school, getting through the recruitments, going through that and scouting himself out, getting himself prepared to go to university with a, a football scholarship in mind. Guy sort of turned up as a walk-on, sat there and went, I want to give this thing a try. And literally, you know, he honed his skills through, um, was it two or three um, college seasons? But yeah, I mean, the guy, honestly, please let us know actually whether it was two or three, three seasons. Maybe there's some PF fans out there who have followed him since the start of his career. We'd love to hear from you on... By tweeting me at Adrian Mallows. Email us ballhawksnest at gmail.com or leave feedback at the bottom of the website. Exactly. So that's why I think you've got to be such an impact player. So you, Mr. Pierre Paul, you may call yourself Mr. Ray Lewis for the week with pride. Nice. So thinking of that game, though, before we move on to the offensive impact player, the Giants, they rustled out to a 23-0 lead, was it? 23-0 lead? Yeah. Looking like they were controlling the game. They'd had four turnovers, I think, at that point. It was three interceptions. Three interceptions and fumble, fumble, yeah. And it looked like they were cruising. And then they just just disappeared. Yeah, they stopped playing. Took the heads completely out of the game. Just, do we think that was complacency setting in there? I think there was a, a mixture of complacency and actually Dallas suddenly sitting there going, oh, so the game plan we spent all week writing hasn't worked. Plan B. And literally, plan B should have been plan A. Yeah. Literally, the game plan didn't work. That's that's literally down to the the, um, the coaches and the coordinators actually getting together, using their brains, and kudos to them. I mean, the the raw actual football intelligence to suddenly come up with a new game plan mid shift, run it in, and actually the players taking it on board. It just shows you how much dedicated these athletes are. Is that they they know exactly what to do when it's asked of them, and suddenly putting this game plan in, and bang, 
wow, the turnaround. And let's face it, I think you have to say if it wasn't for the poor initial poor performance of the offense, the defense held Eli Manning to no touchdowns, oh. um, somewhere between 100 and 200 yards passing. They didn't necessarily have that many gr- yards on the ground either. It wasn't so gr- without yeah. the offense turnovers, they could have had a great game, of course, a major upset. Turnovers win games, simple as. Literally, yeah, Manning, not a great day at the office, very average. I mean, five poss- fantasy points, cheers, mate. Possibly under average. It literally, he just did not. I mean, yes, I want to hand it to the actual the defense, uh, m- mainly the secondary. I mean, the the pressures they were putting on. The the added coverage. I mean, there was one point there, great hit by Sensor Bar, knocking Cruz cleanly off his feet for it was a great like thirty yard catch and then just smack Sensor Bar just knocked knocked the, the, the daylight out of out of Cruz. Yeah. And literally those guys those guys were on fire. The pressure getting around Eli Manning, though what you call it, even if they didn't get to him, rushing the throws, maybe putting him down rather than that big pass he then goes to the check down, short yardage gain. It was it was a great performance defensively, like I said, and you can't help it. I mean, you 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 try to get turnovers, but literally the the number one goal is to control the game. Mm-hmm. They controlled their side of the ball. Offense let them down. Yeah, absolutely. And then Mr. He, Romo let them down, shall we say? Absolutely. And Bryant at the end there was oh. a disallowed touchdown as well. Oh, Bryant. In fact, throughout the whole game with his fumbled kick return, and I must admit, what you call it, Des, those gloves, burn them. There's some bad voodoo on them. Literally, get rid of those gloves. You need a new pair of gloves this week. And you need, you know what? You need the ones with the actual tack on them, not the ones with the oil. And if you speak to some of your mates at Stan, San Diego, they may be able to give you a towel with some stick on. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I hear they got ways around it. Wink, wink. Yeah, absolutely. And apparently it's not cheating. So moving <laughs> swiftly on from that, uh, your offensive impact player. So, yes, so we're working now off this one, so definitely no Tony Romo's or Eli Manning's in here. I'm going to start off with my offensive impact player, runner-up. Player! Okay, now, I know we've we talked a lot about this, and I kind of was umming and ahhing about which way I went, which order I went to put these two in, but I'm going to just go with it, what feels right and what comes out is how it's going to go. And for runner-up is going to be... Mr. Gronkowski. Runner-up. Runner-up. I know. Wow, come I know, on. I know, I mean, it was an amazing performance. The, the 140-odd yards and two touchdowns and literally the dancing, you can't... He spiked a microphone on stage. He did a da- He did a walk like a marching soldier after his first touchdown. It's like a nutcracker, crowd. wasn't it? Yeah. How can you it, not have him it, as number one? It was awesome, but what I'm doing is, is the fact is that he's constantly he's constantly performing, and it was just there was a sense that we know he can do this, and with Brady throwing to him, you know that he's going to get the ball, and also the fact is with Hernandez not there, you know he is the highlighted guy. So I feel that what you call it, he kind of was destined to have this game. Awesome though, he did make it. You almost saw it coming, especially with the Rams playing some nonchalant zone defense. What are you up to? But it was just great performance, but there is a reason behind my madness. Okay, and I'm and sure you'll explain that to us. And that is for my winner of the Offensive Impact Player. Player! There you are, I want to hear that one more time. Is Doug Martin, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Running, running back. back. Rookie running back, I might add as well. 
This is what's impressed me, is one, how Tampa Bay have suddenly found themselves over the last two or three games, but also Doug Martin is really putting himself up there for that rookie of the year. I know it's really running away at the moment with the two quarterbacks, but at the same time, I'm really loving the production coming out of him. We had over 80 yards on the ground, 70 in the air, and two touchdowns. Now, the guy really almost won it for the team. He was there when they needed to. I watched some of his blocking as well. The guy doesn't shun away. He's, he understands what his um, his responsibilities are. You know, kept Freeman off, off the ground a couple of times. And so, literally, I'm really, as, as a full performance from, you know, start to finish, the guy literally shone to me. And that Vikings D is not easy. I no. mean, you've got the likes of Allen, that Robinson guy that yeah. I, I looked forward to. I Winfield mean, as well. Winfield. I mean, they had, I can't think of the, the middle linebacker now. The, the oh, it's going to do my nothing because I'm going to remember this two seconds after we finish the podcast. But they have a solid defensive core and he managed to find a way to, he was the secret weapon to pick that part. And it was, it was honestly, it was a, so, such a solid performance. And from a rookie, he seemed to really have his head set on a team that looks like they're really starting to get their goals together. And I think it would be lovely to see them make a bit of a push. Though I don't think they've, they've sort of missed the opportunity at, is it two and six now? Yeah. Um, to, I think they've missed the, missed the boat for playoffs. But I'd, I, I'd love to see them come back and maybe possibly, I've seen the schedule, maybe possibly make 500, if not seven and nine. I have to ask one question as well about Doug Martin. How did you know to pick him for your fantasy team at the start of the year? I you know, I must admit, I have kind of watched. I've been keeping an eye on the guy um, through preseason. Also through what was it? Is it Boise? He came through right. Boise State. Guy was an absolute beast there, and the name just pops in. And sometimes they just you know, sometimes you're lucky. Sometimes you you manage to find them. Yeah, and thinking of rookies as well, moving away from the awards. Again, something else I saw on, on NFL Red Zone, which is, it is a great watch. And they pulled up this week the top five quarterbacks of all time, rookie-wise, mm-hmm. in the first seven weeks of the oh, season. Oh, yes, I saw this. Has three of this year's rookie quarterbacks, as in the quarterbacks, the rookie quarterbacks who have passed for the most yards in the first seven weeks. Absolutely. You have Andrew Luck, RG3, and Brandon Whedon. Whedon. All in the top five. Don't forget all from this year. Don't forget also who's 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 sitting on top of the list. Cam Newton. Cam Newton. Yeah, from last year. Absolutely. It it, it just goes to show. I mean, really, uh, with all due respect, we understand that it is becoming a passing league. So therefore, the new boys are going to start breaking these records quite easily because it's now getting easier for them to produce the mass games. You know, we're getting to a point now where you're going to be sitting there going a 300-yard game. Is average, yeah, and then the next step up will be who's getting the 400 yard game, yeah, and maybe even 500. Yeah, so I, I'd like to see the fact that you know these guys are getting the accolade that they deserve, yeah, but at the same time, I think we have to remember in contextion that it's easier for these guys. Whereas if we go back to say the United is or the even uh, just dropping back only to say when Brady first came out and you know early 2000s, how much it's changed. Yeah, no, definitely. It's definitely become a lot more parcel-orientated league since then. So let's finish off looking ahead to next week's matchups. Um, what's tickling your fancy of all the games you see next week? There's a couple of games that really tickle my fantasy. Of course, the Atlanta game against Dallas. Yeah. Because, of course, I want to see whether they can go 9-0. Yeah. 
that's that's of course has got to keep um, everyone's interest. Um, How will that secondary deal with Julio jo- Julio Jones? Sorry, yeah. and Roddy White. I mean, you not to thought, mention Tony Gonzalez. Yeah, you had you had Manning and the Cruz, and you know you had Bennett Hickson, um, a couple of the others who you know they put on some real production this year. But they're not as quick or lightning as Julio Jones. Julio Jones, you got Roddy White. Not to mention the height. Yeah. The height factor with the height, Julio Jones is 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 very impressive. So the fact they shut down um, Manning and his boys, you know, what would they do? I mean, we saw the bit of a wobble Matt Ryan had against you know the the Raiders secondary, you know, which to be fair is is average. And obviously there was something that was Feng Shui that wasn't working that day. But I think if Dallas really bring that A game like they did in the the second bit. Unfortunately, they brought it from the beginning. Yeah. You know, we could have a, a completely different story on. But for now, that's the matchup for me because everyone wants to, wants to see can they do the 9 0. I think one thing that intrigues me more than anything is Miami, Indianapolis this week. Again, Two rookies. This, well, is Tannehill going to be fit is the question. Yes. After the injury he suffered last week. But even still, two sides that seem to be finding a way to come together, playing more as a team. Obviously, Miami with their blowout win against the Jets last week, and Indianapolis finding that way to win in overtime with Lux pass to Ballard, which I've put a clip on the blog for those who want to see it. It's awesome. So it's Check it out. Awesome touchdown catch to win the game in overtime. I believe I described it as a trout out of the water dive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, when you see it, you will understand why. Great way to win a game, and the way he's playing this year, you can't really write Andrew Luck out of anything. No, I don't think he can because he's had a few squeakers, hasn't he? I mean, the Jacksonville game should have easily been a win there. I mean, that was just lucky, that beautiful pass right at the end. But, um, yeah, I think Luck, yep, keep hold of him. I think they were, they, they were right to make sure that they secured him as number one and he's, he's shown why he was number one. Absolutely. And now we, we close off, as always, with a swing. Swing. Swing of the week. Uh, my one this week? Yep. Get this, guys. Cleveland over Baltimore. Really? Divisional match. I was thinking about this one myself, but I I decided Baltimore would win it. We're in the doggy pound. Yep. Okay, for a starter. We've watched Baltimore suffer injuries and then kind of a humiliation to Houston. They don't quite look quite set, like we were saying earlier, how I feel that their secondary might be up to the challenge. Now this year, maybe holding together, maybe some drives off. Let's see who have we got. We've got Flacco with Bolden and uh, who's the other guy on the other side? Tory Smith. Yeah. You've got Ray Rice. Is is, is someone they've really got closed down because the running game is maybe still got questions. But you know, Whedon against a dilapidated secondary and a defensive core, which really doesn't really. I mean. Uh, is Nagato going to be back at all? Did they say anything about his injury? I haven't checked that out this year. Uh, I haven't actually, no, but I think it was a few weeks when he did get injured. Yeah, so, so what we're going to do is we're going to see, are we going to see the what we call a Baltimore Ravens D, or are we going to see the, the backups really filling in for it? I mean, I'm not putting a big one on this one. I am going to go 60-40 in my swing. But um, I honestly, guys, for an upset this week, I'd have to hold that I think that would be a great one to just keep on the edge of our seats for. Brilliant. Okay, and I think mine this week, my swing, swing is going to be Denver over Cincinnati. Ah, really? I think so. They're both tough defenses to face, mm-hmm. and we've said before with AJ Green and Dalton's connection, they're great. But 
just simply with the way that Peyton Manning is playing these oh, days and the way he? He, that team is as a whole playing brilliantly on both sides of the ball he's really starting to get that offence clicking with their win over New Orleans yeah. this week which let's face it when you hold Drew Brees to 14 points you can't be classed as a shoddy defence can you? No, no, no I think what you call it it was, it was in essence that they, they worked out how to shut down New Orleans which is basically reduce Brees to as much limitation as possible Absolutely. And literally, what happened? Literally, they couldn't do anything. They couldn't run the ball. I mean, what you got in the backfield? You got Pierre, Pierre Thomas, Thomas. You've got Mark Ingram or Darren Sproles. And I, I watched how they kept trying to do flashes of this whole thunder lightning combination with Sproles and Sproles and Ingram playing off the thunder and lightning rolls, and Pierre Thomas trying to do his thing where he's trying to more an inside inside runner. And literally, it didn't quite work because literally, I don't think they have the format to run that because they need to open this up through the passing game the passing game collapses the run game isn't going to exactly open it back up again not only that of course that Saints defence <laughs> oh I mean wow I mean it was beautiful to watch the way that Manning could just pick it apart with Decker and um, <sighs> name eludes me Demarius Thomas yes there you go Demarius Thomas literally it was he had it he has it Manning just looks absolutely elegant again um, the Broncos look like they're full in charge there to, to sweep off with that AFC West. Yeah, I'm going with 70-30 in Denver's favour, with Denver to score over 30 points again. Yeah, I, I, I honestly agree with that one. I think that's a very good prediction. Um, I, I could almost see if you wanted to actually extend that over to 75-25, yeah. because I, I honestly think that we've watched it a couple of weeks now, where if AJ Green doesn't get the passes, you know, the people who are, you know, second string in that team I can't even name them I'm really sorry Cincinnati fans I'm sure you're sitting there screaming at us now names of all your backup receivers I can only think of AJ Green I don't think that especially Hawkins is a, ah. Hawkins is another lad who they've got thank you there you go you actually got a you got a, a bit more bit more closet knowledge on the, the Bengals than I do purely because last year I picked Hawkins as my when I was doing the blog with EJ I had to pick someone who I thought was going to come out of the nothingness and become a fantasy player. Uh, fantasy to, sleeper. Fantasy sleeper, sorry, yeah. And um, I picked Hawkins last year and he didn't quite make it last year. He's a little bit, he's a year late, so I need to have a word with him about that one. But he's finally starting to make some plays. <laughs> well, I, I, though I think they have got a decent offence, I think their ground game with Green Ellis lacks. I think the run-stopping capabilities are awesome on the, the Denver side of the ball. I think they've got a great run-stopping front seven. Awesome. So I honestly I see them becoming one-dimensional, and then you're the um, the secondary then starting to close down in some tight coverage pressure through the quarterback, and you know you'll probably see Dalton down. I'd say for about four or five sacks. Brilliant. And just to finish off, how many rushing yards do you think Houston will have against Buffalo this week? How many rush yards? It all depends, because I honestly think how far they'll progress to uh, the run game. Because honestly, I, I can actually see it being a problem that people have said that, you know, Foster having limited participation, is he actually holding some little niggle that mm -hmm. he's not letting on about? So I'd actually like to see whether he actually has a niggle or whether it's just, you know, speculation in the press. But Ben Tate is always a great standing. Ben Tate is a good standing. Oh, there's going to be 150 yards of rushing, at least. Yeah. I think what you're and with 150 yards, I can easily see one back getting over 100 yards and the other one getting the other 50. And here's my final, what I would call, slightly from NFL.com, but my bold prediction of the week. 
Kansas City to have two separate hundred yard rushes against the Chargers. Two separate hundred yard rushes against Chargers. Yeah. Um, Jamal Charles and Dexter McCluster. I'm going to leave that actually one. I'm going to leave that one for you guys to mull over because I think, what you call it, it'd be nice for you guys to come up and you give us that one. So I'm going to hand that over to you, everyone listening. What do you think? Is Adri mad or is he actually a, um, a surprise genius? I think after my Cleveland prediction last week, I think we know the answer. Absolutely. It's still in the bag. That's completely right. <laughs> so... On that final note, remember to get in touch with us by emailing us at bullhawksnest at gmail.com, tweet me at Adrian Mallows or lead some feedback at the bottom of the page. For now, Marcus, it's been an absolute pleasure as always. As always, yes. And we look forward to speaking to you next week. See you guys.